90-day time loops, pointless plot twists, and yet another evil clergy member. We're talking about Curse of the Nun, and it was horrifying. Welcome to So Horrified, the show where we talk about scary movies that are horrifying for all the wrong reasons. We're your hosts, Sadie and Matt. And this week we're talking about Curse of the Nun. Curse of the Nun, one of very many scary nun movies, apparently. Right. And not the nun, like the Conjuring universe right. movie thing. A different possessed nun thing. <laughs> a movie that wishes it was as bad as that bad movie. Right, right. That's its goal, is to be like that one. All right, so before we get started talking about this horrible movie, let's hear something good. Something good. Something good. <laughs> I'm still. Not I have to sure do it every time. I sorry. <laughs> I think you can. Say, I feel like I'm trying to remember. I feel like my chorus teacher in high school told us that it's like a law that you can do like a certain number of notes before it can be like considered copyright infringement or whatever. We're also not making money off of this, so I don't think. Yeah, but cares. still. But yeah, something good that I saw. I don't watched steal the mine, first don't steal mine, don't steal mine. Okay. couple episodes of this uh, game show that's out now called Don't. Um, Adam Scott is the one that hosts it from nice. Parks and Recreation and a bunch of other things. Step Brothers. Yeah, but it's it's a strange kind of concept. Like everybody's in teams and it's kind of double dairy a little bit um, and a little bit like they have specific tasks where it'll be like don't blink for one minute and every time you do it ticks money off of what you can win and stuff like that oh weird weird little challenges like that yeah then one was eating all these spicy peppers and they would offer you a drink and every time you don't drink it you win money Mm. stuff like that interesting interesting but it was fun sounds fun i like adam scott so cool beans (laughs) (laughs) what's uh what's yours um i'm gonna go with knives out yeah we did watch that well (laughs) (laughs) i made it almost all the way through i was very tired you made it most of the way through that's true no it was really good um i really liked it it was a fun little whodunit it's on amazon prime i like those kind of movies where you're yeah following the crime and trying to figure out who it was and everything yeah those are always entertaining if they're done well in this one. right no it was done very well very well yeah it's got like daniel craig and and Captain America and Tony Collette and like a, a whole bunch of other things. His name is now just Captain America. I mean, obviously. Yeah. But I I mean, I thought it was really funny. It was entertaining and it was I think it has a good balance between like sounding being funny and um intriguing enough of a mystery and stuff of like, "Oh, what's going on?" Yeah. That's my mystery sound. <laughs> oh. <Ooh>. George Takei <laughs> watching a mystery movie. Exactly. Oh. Mm, uh. <laughs> That's how I watch all mystery movies. (laughs) Okay. Well, something that was not good was The Curse of the Nun. Yes. So tell us about it. Uh, The Curse of the Nun is the story of an emotionally emotionally scarred young woman who is thrilled to be getting a new start by moving into a lovely home. However, soon after arriving, she finds herself being tormented by the vengeful ghost of a long-dead Catholic nun who has cursed the house and anyone who inhabits it. That's about it. <laughs> That's, That's the movie. That is the movie indeed. Uh, so let's, yeah, start talking about it. The first thing that really struck me immediately was just the how it looked and sounded like home movie quality. Right, yeah. It was definitely incredibly low budget. Yes, everything was very echoey. Everything was kind of poorly lit. Everything was in one location somebody's house that they were allowed to shoot right and yeah it reeked of that which lets me give it certain allowances i guess Mm -hmm. where i'm like okay i'm not expecting it to be great right that but it still didn't really meet those (laughs) those lowered expectations that i I had i don't know i thought i thought there were some good parts i thought there were some interesting things that they did I liked KK, the little guy. Who's, I liked he was KK. Yes, I enjoyed him. Could not give less of a shit about the main girl. I mean, 
I'll say I I identified with her on certain things, and so that might have made me more as soon as sympathetic she with her character. The pizza guy <laughs> and refused. Yeah, no, I hated her, and like from the right, like that very beginning or whatever. I was like, wow, she's a real bitch. But no, it was just some of her emotional stuff that she was going through that I could sympathize with and understand. But. I definitely liked KK more as just a character. Um, but okay, so that girl, can we talk about how, like, to me, she looked like 15. Am yeah, I she just did not too look like she should now? have like a 10 year old daughter no. or whatever that kid was that was kind of just in and out. Right. She, the kid would show up sometimes and then be like, bah, she's just a hallucination. Well, I don't know where the kid was most of the time, but I'm yes, pretty sure she was at school. The, the main act, oh, well, that, yeah. <laughs> still. <laughs> Why introduce a kid into this situation if you're not going to put them in peril? Well, because it still was an emotional tie and it was still part of the story. She had this good daughter when she was 10 and now she's. Well, and and that makes it more of like a like because the the argument coming from the nun kept being, you know, because the nun wants to. She's a parent like it used to be an old church or whatever. And she like killed herself there and then became like somehow that it was her duty to watch over that place and to either chase off or kill anyone who wasn't worthy to be there until she found someone to replace her or whatnot. So she's trying to get the girl, the main girl, Anna Winter, not Anna Winter from, you know, the Vogue magazine editor, whatever. But uh, he's, she's trying to get her to do it. And her argument is that her life is shitty anyways and isn't worth living and so i feel like the daughter the whole one of the main purposes of that of her being there as a kid is that that's something worth living for you know and so that's gonna that was like it was you know it was the daughter thing it was the past trauma and abuse and and stuff like that that made me connect with her and sympathize with her as a character don't laugh at me i see the laughs forming on your face i just i I appreciate that that's what they were trying to do. Mm-hmm. I just thought, like, when they they were kind of ham-fisted with it at certain times, and I don't know. I don't. I I think it could have been explored better. And like, oh, I mean, I'm not a- saying it wasn't a shit movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm- it was mostly not well done. But I'm just saying that, like, I sympathize with her or empathize with her because I've gone through like there are uh, there are similarities to something you know like to some of my experiences and stuff that i've had and um understand and plus you were chased by a nun at one point in time it was it was sally field no (laughs) so i'm just saying that made me like her more i did not like her in that first moment and i thought she was actually a pretty decent actress to be fair i thought her and kk were the best as far as performers. See, I just everything she said felt like acting to me. Oh, see, like, I felt the op. I felt like that way with with the guy who looked like one of the guys from Drake and Josh or whatever. I don't know who is who because I never watched that show. It looked like a an even mixture of the two. Kids. Yeah, like it was weird. He was horrible. Yeah, her her new horrible. Husband. Yes. Yeah. Everything he said sounded like they just fed that line to him right before shooting. Yeah. And he stumbled through it. But I felt like a lot of her stuff, especially later in the movie, like as it went through more. But I will say, I'm a very gullible person. She has me beat. <laughs> I just kept she getting kept falling for the same so shit. So mad. I know. And I just kept getting so mad. I'm like, honey. What are you doing? None of it's real. Clearly. Yeah. It, like, it keeps your, not being real. Your daughter did not just suddenly appear in the house for like a second imagined time. Like the first time was imaginary. Now you're like, oh no, but this time she's really here. And like, like, no, honey, don't trust any of these visions. Right. Yeah, that that really got to me. And that was weird. I think what it was is I liked maybe it was just how she I don't know. I think it's just because I sympathized with her, so I gave I was softer on her. Yeah. Because, you know, you haven't been through those experiences, so you Fair don't enough. have that same sympathizing thing. And this fucking aunt. 
this yeah the landlord is possibly the worst person she's more of a villain than the nun is yes she is horrible just makes you want to like push her down a flight of stairs yeah for real though when her and when anna and kk get trapped you know in the house and they can't escape and she opens the door to let them out and they come stumbling out she gets blood on her hands and she's like this better not be my blood I was like, somebody's clearly been stabbed <laughs> in the stomach, know. and somebody else has been and I mean, stabbed in the leg. That did turn out to not have actually happened, so it's like yeah. uh, what they imagined that character saying. But I will say, as far as low-budget films, I feel like this one did far better than... God, what was that one with L- the Lizzie Borden thing? What was that called? The, the American Poltergeist. Yes, that's what it was. Yes, I feel like this was better than that one. Yeah, not a, a high hurdle to clear. But no, it, not at it all. Was, it was better than that. Yeah, I feel like it actually had some decent performances. Maybe not throughout the whole thing, but through some of it. And It did feel for a while just like a collection of shots that the writer director person thought would look cool right but didn't really stitch together all that strongly yeah i feel like tub scene and um the nun with a gun and like when they walk in through one door and come out the other door and stuff like that like stuff that didn't really push the story anywhere but they were like i bet this would be a cool thing to shoot right yeah there were some yeah there were some neat I don't know. I felt like there were some interesting shots and everything, but yeah, they didn't really serve any purpose other than just being like, hmm, that's neat. When she's supposed to be like trapped in the tub by the force field. You could see the plexiglass. Yes, and you can see stuff reflected off of it in the background. <laughs> yes. I thought it was a really cool idea. It just did not like when they do it from the top, like yeah, when they do it from, from the top from the down, top, it looks really tub, cool. It looks great. But when yeah. they do it from under her and or like right beside her or whatever, you're like, okay, it's just a sheet of plastic laying on top of her. Like we can see it all. Yeah, it's so got if, that dirty sunlight coming through it. Right. Yeah. They should have just kept it the way that it was. Or yeah, not shown it at all from the inside the tub shots. You know, right? Cut it off exactly. Right before where you see the glass. Well, and what I don't get <laughs> is why. Is the nun just now? Because like they said that they've lived in her the aunt's house for a while. Yeah. So why is the nun just now coming out? Like they haven't had any experience with any haunting stuff. Yeah, I have no no idea. I don't know why. After they do the three months later type thing, like why is the nun just left her alone for these three month chunks and then starts haunting her? I know the first one was all in her head, but then they do right. it again. Well, see, okay, so that I did not, I was like, what is this? Because she goes up and she gets worried, like, it's going to be that same thing as before. But it wasn't the same. It was different. And he was like, oh, okay, never mind. I got it. And then they played ominous music. But I was like, but no, that shows it is different. The cycle has been broken. Right. It's like the end of Inception. Like, we saw the, the... Top topple over this time. Like they showed it toppling over and then tried to make us think that it didn't. But yeah, the first time they did the reveal of, oh, this didn't happen. They're still in the bathroom. She Mm -hmm. just dreamt these three months. I was fucking furious. Oh, I'd figured it out. Oh, did you? Yeah. I I was so mad at, like, it seemed like such a, like, why did we go on this journey for 20 minutes that didn't matter? They put up a three months later graphic. Did she dream the fucking words three months later? No, I think she probably, like, maybe it was like, I don't know, sometimes like in a dream time can pass and you feel like, you know, you feel like time has passed or whatever and you, I don't know. I don't know how that worked, but the way I figured, like, I started to get suspicious when the husband kept pushing meds on her more and more and because in all the scenes that were um the like visions or whatever there would just be all these weird light glares not like not like jj abram like camera flares but like the light would just be kind of fuzzy like very dreamlike but yeah when the husband kept i was like oh snap that's that's the nun trying to um make her overdose because that's you know how she kept indicating she was gonna 
make her die. Yeah, I just figured that she had possessed the husband or something like that. Oh, yeah. I was starting to think I was like, this is, I was like, either she possessed the husband or this is all a dream. And I just kept thinking more and more. I think this is just one of those stupid visions. Yeah. And if it had been two minutes, you Mm -hmm. know, and they just kind of flash forward a little bit and, and make you think that's what's happening and then jolt you right back to where you were, that would have been a lot better than like, we're going to stop and show you how she shops for t-shirts and dresses at the store. And like, what? <laughs> That's very true. It, it, you, they just slam the brakes on all the momentum that they had just built up right. for this detour that doesn't matter at all to anything. <laughs> I was I was quite upset that they had just stolen t- I mean, 20 I minutes think, from me. I don't feel like it should have been 20 minutes long. I feel like it definitely went on too long, but I do feel like it served some purpose to the story because it was supposed to be showing growth of how she was deciding she was making a decision in her own vision of I'm going to live my life and be happy and grateful for the life I have now. Like, cause she just, she was happier. She was trying new things. Like she pulled out this dress and was like, I never would have worn this before, but you know what? I really love it and I'm embracing it. And like, I'm not a goth girl anymore. <laughs> yeah, Apparently that means you're bad. Um, and so it just, yeah. So I feel like th- that's the only purpose I could derive from it is that it was to show us that she was growing in that time that she, you know, in that vision world of hers yeah. or whatever. She was growing and um, that she wanted to live. She did not want to die. Yeah. Yeah. Because that just was such a big thing with the Sister Catherine or whatever of the, the you know, your life isn't worth living or what, which like, well, and fuck you, Sister Catherine. Like, addicts' lives are still worth living. Right. <laughs> you yeah, can- she, she has a kid that she seems very happy to raise and a family that seems to right. love her. Like, yeah. And even if she didn't, like, just because you had addiction in your past or just because you, you know, have demons in your past and, you know, abuse or trauma or whatever, does not make your life worth, like, less worth living. Well, and... Yeah, bitch. So, I don't understand... Sister Catherine seemed very, like, obsessed with Anna and wanting Mm -hmm. her to be it. But then several times she's like, okay, well, I'm either going to kill you or your daughter, or I'm going to kill you or your husband, or I'm going to kill you or KK. Like, she does it three or four different times, or, like, she'll just take anybody if that's what it comes to. So, again, I think that that was her, like, trying to, that she knew that, I don't know why she would think that she would sacrifice herself for KK, but I feel like she knew she would sacrifice herself for her daughter and possibly for her husband, you know, like, but I don't know. (laughs) Maybe she thinks after she kills the daughter or the husband, then the Anna would be like, well, now my life's not worth living. So take me now. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. And she could take her. And I don't understand the physical form that they keep mentioning of that i don't get at all they're losing it and then they're gaining it but they need it but then it's good if they don't have it anymore because the end i just all of it was just very <laughs> that muddy. that was very confusing they admitted at one point that they were just lifting shit out of ghost yeah they were like, you know like that movie ghost when he does this and sometimes he can touch things it's like it's basically that right so but it's don't like just say that you took it ghost, ghost definitely explained it better yeah and yes, it worked up like because she at one point, you know, KK reveals towards the end that he's dead. Yeah, he's, he's been dead the whole time, and but he's then a she ghost. hits him in the face with a sledgehammer, and he goes down and is like twitching, like he's an alive person that just got right. hit with a sledgehammer. So I don't get how how physical is his form? How right, physical is the nun's form? Well, and yeah, like when they were when she was under the house, how come like she saw. What had to have been visions of like a uh, rotting Lex and a rotting Michael or whatever yeah. crawling towards her, like and then she the crow sees makeup on. Yes, but much worse. And um, the crow was fantastic. Yes. <laughs> That's a great movie. No, they look like a kid that was going to a Halloween party as the crow. right. And and then it shows KK down there with all that. Cr- which, by the way, I felt actually I was kind of like. I kind of wish KK was in this makeup the whole time because it kind of makes him like a funny little zombie. It makes him right. even funnier. You could have been her cool undead sidekick. I know. I you still could have betrayed her and had that turn at the end. I loved it at the end when like he he's like, wait, Anna. And she walks over to the door and is talking to him. And he's just sitting there and with his weird makeup and everything. I was like, oh, I like you even more now. Now, One thing I forgot to mention about KK 
is that he's in like the cold open part where he's in the house and he has like one of my favorite lines. Oh, go ahead with that then. I want to hear that first. Okay. The from the cold open when he's sitting there with the Ouija board by himself and all the like ghost huntery stuff and he's, you know, trying to call on this ghost and then all of a sudden he like sees her. He goes, shit, too real, too real. <laughs> like goes like he's gonna go. And I was like, that is exactly how I would be if I was a ghost yeah, hunter. I wanna see it till it's there, and then I don't want to see this anymore. Yes. I love the idea of ghosts and ghost hunting. I do not want to have actual confirmation of ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I would not want to see a ghost while ghost hunting. Yes. <laughs> that makes my world a lot scarier. Yeah. Well, I like that, you know, he's in the room ghost hunting her or whatever, and he's got his little Ouija board, and then they zoom in on this little device that just says ghost meter. Yeah. <laughs> And it goes like I didn't even notice that. Like, oh, we're at like seven ghost. <laughs> the ghost meter. They didn't even try to give a name of any kind of scientific. Equipment. Oh my god, I love it. I did not even notice that. Well, I'm like in the beginning when he's fighting with her and everything. You could tell she just has like a black cloth over her face, and you can tell there's just like a black flat in the closet that she like rams his head into or whatever. She sure loves slamming people's heads into she shit. She does. Oh, oh, by the way, that reminds me of the thing that I've been really wanting to say and talk about. When she starts choking Anna and she chokes her until she passes out, apparently, and then like hits her little chin to move her head over and check her pulse. Yeah. <laughs> what ghost does that? <laughs> like... She's got little smelling salts and stuff ready. (laughs) I smacked her too hard. Wake up. Wake up. Well, and then she like, I think that's when she pulled the gun or maybe that's when she pulled out the crucifix or whatever, which we never got any kind of explanation for why this crucifix had to be the way that this girl died or what because she kept trying to use the crucifix to stab her. Yeah, I thought that was going to be much more important than it became. And I wish they had... That and the little wooden pentagram that they gave up on quickly, too. Yes. It worked, and then they were just like, let's never use that again for the rest of the movie. Oh, I wanted to know more about the, like... I can't remember if they said it used to be a church or a convent, but I wanted to know more. I thought they were going to give us more about the like history of this building, of why she was there and it felt she had to protect like a it. Super historic house. No, it, it did was not. Like a, you know, a modern looking neighborhood that's in the <laughs> suburbs. It's not an old like convent from the. It 1800s. was a convent ten years ago. It held three nuns and a father who you know art in heaven. <laughs> No, I was going to say a, 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 a priest who uh, priested himself, <laughs> like made it his own church and declared himself priest. <laughs> That's what it's called. It's called priesting yourself. Really priested himself there. <laughs> oh, my God. That sounds like something entirely different. Woo, moving on. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I like KK. And it's funny. He reminds me of a kid I... Um, did theater with a freshman year of high school. <laughs> Grant, if you're out there listening somewhere, KK reminds me of you. <laughs> Especially the backstabbing part. <laughs> Where he's all shifty and you can't trust him. Exactly. Yeah. Screw that guy. That kid. <laughs> so there once the ending of the movie kind of gets there and they kick into high gear where there's, you know, ghost version of her husband and her ex and KK and the nun. Right. She just kind of, when she's trapped under the house with them, she just kind of kicks them like, yeah. (laughs) And then like go away away with their feet and they're just gone. I was wondering that too. I was like, how is it? She's so easily able to defeat them when she's, crawling under the house like it seems like it would be very easy for them to overtake her there's three of them right and like and Plus she's the nun you could even see them in the background she's like crawling away and you see like kk in the background like no and it's like I dude guess the, you know the husband and the ex are supposed to be like visions, visions but then at one point she wakes up and they're holding her down so they've got some they've got a physical I mean, the, right like the vision of her daughter stabbed her you know yeah. so like it was a real stab wound yeah but yeah i don't understand why she didn't 
try hitting the nun with that hammer that she hit KK with. I had the same thought. I assumed that's what Apparently, she was going to do. And it can through. Felt like and through ectoplasm. And so the the pentagram thing kept her away. A so, couple times, yeah. So are they saying like Satan will save you <laughs> if bad stuff's happening to you? Just pray to the devil real quick. And he will protect you from those dastardly nuns. Yeah, I don't. I guess they were probably going along the lines of like, well, usually if it's like a demon poltergeist, you just hold up a crucifix. But this is a nun, so she would be scared of the pentagram. <laughs> like, you know, okay. <laughs> Whatever you say. Yeah, I, I mean, I really have to say the only thing that connected me to that main, the main character, Anna, was just feeling sympathetic for some of her emotional things. But it's like, there's so much that was just done so weirdly. Yeah. Of like, I get that you have a very low budget, like no budget, but like, there are better ways. Like, I will admit, I thought that the hands, the the nun, I keep wanting to call her the witch, the nun's hands looked very creepy and her feet looked disgusting. Her face? But her face, yeah. Well, they they would put makeup on her and then it seemed like they were trying to like digitally like blurry her face a little bit. But there were times like when she was coming down the stairs that they were trying to track her face and the blurry would be like on stuff in the background and a little bit on her hat but, and then it would be on her face. <laughs> but can we also talk about that coming down the stairs when she, she was, was like, like arched over the stairs? You could tell it was supposed to be of like a I'm weirdly crawling, but like she could not or... actually physically crawl down the thing. So it's just like her upper body is twisted onto it. And she's, she's like just Meh! hanging over the side rail. It was like, so Meh. weird. Yes. I'm going to get you. Yeah, it was so weird i laughed out loud i also lol'd would love to talk about the fact that i feel like this movie would have been a lot scarier if the nun didn't talk so much because every time she did it was oh right she talked way too much and yeah it was much scarier when she was just a silent threat that would pop up and like try to just like the stay with me right then she would just be like Go into these monologues of like, where are you? I know where you are. You're supposed to work for me. Right. It's like, (laughs) what is she? I'm sorry. Can we rewind for a second? What was her voice like? You're supposed to work for me. (laughs) I'm the nun. (laughs) Is that what she sounded like in your head? That's what she sounded like on screen (laughs) and forevermore. I must have had a different version of this movie because she definitely. Stay in the house with me. I'm the nun. (laughs) So in your head, she sounded like Bane. In my head, she sounded like. That's not Bane. Oh, that's kind of. Maybe that might be Bane's mom. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry you were born in this prison. It's okay, mother. No, but I didn't like her. That yeah, like that weird demony voice. You can't do monologues in the weird demony voice. Yeah, it doesn't like, work like that. And that I didn't get that either. Of like, how is it? They keep saying that she's going to go off to heaven, so they need her to protect it now. And that like, I don't understand how it became like her idea was that she had to stay at that house to protect it from. God knows what. Yeah, the random the unworthy or whatever from this bitch of a woman. It just seems like such an odd thing, like such a to not fully explain it or to not fully explain it, like not explain it well. (laughs) I don't like that. Yeah, and I I don't understand what's up with KK and like he said that he died there three years three years ago. Did she kill him? Yes. I'm and, guessing... And why didn't he take her place then? Because I'm guessing he was not worthy to take her place. Oh, so the person has to volunteer to take her place? Oh, I doubt they have to volunteer. I doubt they have to volunteer. I think it's just they have to meet certain criteria or something. <laughs> that was my assumption <laughs> of why... enough past. Or maybe it has to be a woman because she's like, no... I'm a nut. Like, she's a very gender, like, she's very strict about um, gender conformity. Yeah. Which, I'm sorry, hon. 
It's 2020. We're beyond that now. <laughs> you can't live in fear of what the internet trolls are going to say. You can, <laughs> you can gender swap your roles if you want to. Right. It's, fine. it's okay. We're okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> you can kill all the men or women that you want. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was, I don't know. There was a lot I did not understand. Um. Perhaps you can help me understand this. Um, yeah, Ooh, me this. Me this. <gasps> how, how did they defeat her in the end? Because it seemed like they ju- she just floated up and then burst into flames for no reason. And then they were like, well, she's gone. But beforehand, it like she had this whole plan of like, you go in the attic and do this, and I'm going to go in the kitchen and do that, and it got blown the fuck No up. idea what the and plan was. Point, right before they rushed at the nun, she's like, trust me. Like, she knew what was going to happen, but they didn't do anything. The nun just started floating like she had been the whole time, mm-hmm. and then she burst into flames, and they're like, well, I guess that means she went to hell. Yeah, I. my only guess I can make is that... Because he kept saying of like, like the last time he, maybe it was when he saw her underneath the house or at some point he was like, her physical form is getting weaker. We're almost there. And apparently if you weaken them so much that their physical form can't exist anymore, they explode into fire and are done and die, which just seems like an odd thing because it's like, but they're a ghost. Like, yeah, and they they didn't seem to explain like how much time she had left with this physical form. No idea. They were, they were very like explicit that it was important, right? But not explicit in the way that it worked or how right. any of it was set up. Right. No, it was a very odd structure, but but it did just seem very kind of anticlimactic, almost of that. It just there was all this like, stuff well, going on, it. and then she burst into flames, and it was like, oh. Okay, we're done now. They spent all their time on that sweet bathtub scene. Right, <laughs> right. Like, oh, shit, we forgot the ending. <laughs> uh, let's just have her burst into flames. Also, this is a really weird side note, but I've never heard of places order where you order pizza and you come pick it up from, from the, the driver in the, the car. I was like, what? And she did it three times. Three times. Well, and I, it drove me crazy. I get a little bit that they were sitting outside. So she was just like, okay, I'll, I'll but like that the pizza person didn't get out of their car. Didn't even try. And was just it was like, just like that. Walk to me. Yeah. It was just sitting Where's there. Like, <laughs> yeah. And like, by the way, I was very surprised that they did not mention not having a tip. Yeah. Like, there would well, have I mean, to if be. If you don't have enough money for the pizza, you definitely aren't going to tip. Yeah, but I mean, okay, if 12 year old me got fussed at by a pizza delivery person because I paid in quarters and only tipped like $3 or something, and he was like, just so you know, that's not really a good tip, and people don't like to get paid in quarters, I think the pizza guy could have handled talking to little miss looks 15 but apparently is 30 some other age (laughs) like telling her of like the um you're three pennies short and you don't like you didn't give me a tip or anything like the fuck is that yeah they i mean they had a vehicle they absolutely should have just gone and picked that pizza up they were being irresponsible and late right right like so i'm glad they got haunted (laughs) they deserved it that's what happens if you short your service people. Yes. They're essential workers, as people are now learning. Yes. Yes. The When we play the game of, like, what actors does this guy look like? The ex-husband, the first husband, Lex, kind of looked like a mixture between Dominique... What is it? Dominique Mahanagan or something like that. Lord of the Rings. And, and Lost. Lost. Yeah. <laughs> I watched Lost a lot more. A mixture between him and uh, and Hyde from that 70s, the rapist. What is this? I can't think. <laughs> Danny Masterson. Masterson. Yes. I just keep thinking Christopher Masterson. He's the good one. As far as we know. Oh, is he not? Oh, is he not? I don't know. I imagine he probably had some idea of what his brother was up to this whole time. Damn you, Masterson. And they're Scientologists, which is weird. Oh, yeah. Okay. but i thought that he looked like a skinnier version of what Haley joel osment looks like now oh yeah i could see that too i could see that as well 
Yeah. Faux show. I don't really have anything for the others of what they look like. (laughs) (laughs) That Um, was just one of the things I forgot to mention. The husband guy kind of looked like if they tried to do like the Marvel de-aging technology on Nathan Fillion, but fucked it up. (laughs) I, I, I just can't unsee him looking like one of those kids from Drake and Josh, or like you said, like a weird mixture of the two of both of them is drosh with like (laughs) drosh and like a receding hairline even though he also to me looks like 17 like i don't understand it's got a very community theater like teenagers playing adults kind of feeling like this was my college thesis film right it's just all populated and hey that could be and one of them had a niece so she's the right she's the kid Although, out of all the uh, people here, that kid has more um, credits in, like, bigger things than oh. all the others. Well, stay tuned for <laughs> the rabbit hole. And now it's time for Best and Worst. When we scour the internet for the best and worst reviews about the movie we're discussing, which is this week, it's The Curse of the Nun, um, each week, and um, read you the best that we can find. And, <laughs> and the worst. worst. <laughs> yeah. Um, each week, we we like to think of ourselves as the hosts of um, the Great Brit- British Bake Off. We exchange who reads the good and bad each week. This week, I have the pleasure or displeasure of reading the good, because I'm not sure what they might say. So let's get started. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes has no score for this. Um, audience, no score for this. Um, IMDb has a 2.8 out of 10 stars. A lot of <laughs> professional people took the time to watch or review this. Movie. Right. So first up, we have Sophia Satterfield, just a regular old Google review. It says, the best movie I've seen about a nun. And trust me, I've seen a lot of movies about nuns. <laughs> All the sisters. Like act. doubt. And like, doubt, yeah. yeah. Um, the thing I like about it is they worked with what they had, even though you can tell there wasn't much of a budget. When you break down what happened in the movie, the movie is pretty weird, but still good, though. All right. Fair enough, I guess. <laughs> they seem to have a lot of experience with nuns, so right. got to be right. We're going to learn more about nuns later. All right. So from DreadCentral.com, Pat King. Last year, writer slash director Aaron, ooh, Aaron Mirtz, Mertz, Mertz, mm, <laughs> Meerkats, one of those seven, Mertz, <laughs> somewhere in there, released his film Clowntergeist. I'm sorry, I'm really bad at pronouncing names because I don't know like what dialect, <laughs> like what language rules do we go by here? Yeah. Um, okay, so he released his film Clowntergeist. Sounds like a winner. Uh, No no trouble with that. (laughs) Yeah. All right. When It was hot, um, horror property. It being like the movie It, not not Clowntergeist being It. Um, This year, we have Curse of the Nun. Again, we have a title that echoes a mainstream theatrical film, guessing The Nun, that was recently released. The titles could be coincidence, especially since neither film has anything to do plot-wise with the big-budget flicks that their titles reflect. Despite the marketing, these aren't cynical cash grabs. No one's going to get this mixed up with a film that has an actual budget, but who needs all of that anyway? Curse of the Nun is a solid effort that a lot of people clearly put their hearts into. I very much like any director who puts the viewer first, someone who is concerned with giving them what was promised, without any tricks or added fluff to pad the runtime. There are more than a few technical flaws, but if you have a high tolerance for that kind of stuff, and most horror fans do, then you're going to have a very good time with this one. All right? Yeah. But I think that got 2.5 out of 5. That was about oh. as good as I could find. <laughs> Close enough, right? That counts. Except for the non-expert that right. clearly gave it a 10. So our first bad review comes to us from JG on Amazon. He JG. says, the unpleasant hag that flips everyone off and didn't even tip the pizza guy mm. on top of not giving him the full price of the pizza won a one-star review for this piece of garbage movie. All right. <laughs> he came in hard. Mm-hmm. He did not like how she treated that pizza guy. He's a pizza guy, I'm going to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> he is a pizza guy. Um, and our, 
our second. Oh, that's all he had to say? Yeah, that was it. One that second. was his whole review? <laughs> I just loved how angry it was. About the pizza guy. Yeah. yeah. And then he called her an unpleasant hag. Hag. Like, uh, hag. That's got some incel vibes backing it a little bit. It definitely does. It definitely gives off that kind of vibe. Well, to balance that, our next review comes from a lady, uh, Anna Victoriason from IMDb, who says, Serious question. Was this made by people in high school? The film opens in a very cheap setting with miserable camera angles hosted by the worst acting I've seen in a long time. Instantly, I'm made to think this is how the idea was born. Hey, John, mom left her camera here. Do you want to shoot a movie? (laughs) Throughout the film, the dialogue is dreadfully slow. The dead pace between each sentence builds boredom like I have never felt before. The entire film could have been (laughs) half the time. The only part that made me feel anything aside from bored was the kissing. (laughs) What? (laughs) <laughs> Wait, the, what? The only part that made me feel anything aside from bored was the kissing. What I was feeling was a dry heave sensation. <laughs> Super awkward kissing. <laughs> Another thing. The lead actress looks 19 and her daughter looks about eight. One star. I thought the lead actress looked 15 and her daughter looked about nine or 10, but you know. Yeah, they had the. Otherwise. <laughs> Did you also find her to be an unpleasant hag? <laughs> I would not have used those descriptors, no. <laughs> that was rough. That was rough. Um, we also did find another generous review of this movie. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> that I made sure to share with her beforehand. So we also found on uh, the site Letterboxd this five-star review of the film, just a little bonus to throw in there. It said, what a fantastic film. That guy who plays KK is hunky AF. I'm not biased or anything. From bad Brad Belemgian, who played KK. <laughs> so, <laughs> it confirms the theory our theory. That, <laughs> yes, that all the good reviews are written by the people who made the movies yes. themselves. <laughs> or at least some of them. Right. At least he was he was honest and said, you know, right. he was he very tongue in cheek. Try to hide yes. his his name. Yes. Proof. Absolutely. Take it to the bank. So that'll do it for best and worst, which means it's time for Sadie's rabbit hole. Woohoo! <laughs> I don't know. I always add the little woohoo because it feels weird to just end it. I, I keep meaning to find some music for you to sing that on top of. That would be fun and, and make it feel less awkward. But, you know, whatever. I'm embracing my awkwardness. <laughs> <laughs> Fully embrace it. Okay, so I've got three kind of spooky, eerie, interesting stories involving nuns, mostly also involving like hauntings and ghosts, or at least just creepy, awful nun things. So yes, spooky churches, nuns, convents, all that fun stuff. Okay. Our first story revolves around the historic Grey Nun's mother house in Montreal. Uh, In 2007, the historic Grey Nun's house was, um, was acquired and renovated. And it now is a student residence for Concordia University. Before it became student housing, it was um, had been a hospital and orphanage. Like there was an orphanage on one floor and I guess hospital for the other floors. Canadian um, hospital and orphanage. Right. For like, I think, I can't remember if it said it was started in like the 17 or 1800s, but it had been around for a while. Currently, even, there's 232 dead nuns still um, buried in a crypt below the residence, the student's residence. We like to keep them on site. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Because they said it's too risky to move them without releasing contagious illnesses that many of the nuns were buried with um, when they had died. Right. So, um, as if that's not creepy enough that your student housing... Is going to be ground zero of the zombie apocalypse. Right. And is sitting right above, yeah, 232 dead (laughs) Dead nuns. nuns Or who's going to, that's a movie. Let's make that movie. Oh, I'm going to tell you, all three of these stories, I think, would be amazing movies. I love them. All these dead zombie nuns come out of the ground. Right. I would watch it every day. (laughs) Every day. Right when I wake up, pop that in and just start my day every day. Zombie nuns. Okay, but we're not done. We have a lot to get through, sir. Okay, so in 1918, the orphanage that was above, um, on a floor above the hospital caught fire. 
Rescue attempts were made by firemen and soldiers who were in the hospital, but they were like beaten back by the flames. At least 53 people, mostly children, since it was the orphanage floor, died. At least, they say, because they believe many babies and small children could have been cremated by the flames right away. That's like act two of the movie. Right. Ghost so since then, people have reported hearing the sounds like students who live in the, the residence hall, um, as well as, I guess, others who live there past the fire and stuff, had reported hearing sounds of children laughing, seeing visions of children in burnt clothes. There was a girl who had lived there who wasn't able to sleep well at night every night she would have nightmares about these children and all burnt up and everything and she would like smell weird smells and all this stuff and then when she moved into her boyfriend's house she never had them ever again um and then there was a daycare in the building and there were two different children who had the same imaginary friend they described this friend the exact same way and they wore like the friend wore like a cap and you know, had like blonde hair or something like that. Like it was like they described them exactly the same way with the same name and said he had like burnt clothing and stuff like that. So that's pretty creepy to me. <laughs> what was the, did it say the imaginary friend's name? Um, If it did, I didn't write it down. I want to know it. Well. <laughs> now I'm going to say that it is Fauntleroy. Okay, because we still have two more stories to get through, so I tried to okay. manage what notes I took. <laughs> I would have shared a lot more on all of them, but... <laughs> okay, so then, moving on to the Borley Rectory, which is considered by some, I guess, um, one of Britain's most haunted houses. And Britain has a lot of haunted places, so... <laughs> there's a lot of ghosts in that country. So I guess there's a lot of stories about... Um, not only a lot of ghost stories about this rectory, but like a lot of stories about how it became haunted. Um, the most popular tale is a real Romeo and Juliet type thing. In 1362, Benedictine uh, monks built a monastery on the site that would become, you know, the rectory. A nun from a convent seven miles away fell in love with one of the monks. They decided to elope together and a friend of the monk was going to drive like a carriage and take them away so that they could go get married. Well, their elders discovered what they were up to and they went and captured them all. They beheaded the carriage driver. Jesus. They hanged the uh, monk. And the nun was bricked up into the walls of the vaults that was below the rectory alive. My God, they did not fuck around back She then. was sealed in alive. This has the makings of yet another better movie. Right? No, these are some really great stories. And so, you know, ever since then, paranormal activity has been noted, but it seemed to have gotten, like, really picked up in the mid to late 1800s. There was, like, a, I think it was, like, a pastor or something who saw thought he saw like a specter or something throwing rocks and things like that. But many people reported seeing the nun in particular, and they have like a, an area they call the nun's walk, where supposedly people see her quite often walking around and, you know, probably mourning her monk lover who was hanged. <laughs> Tony Shalhoub? <laughs> Why would they do that to him? He's so lovable. Right. Okay. So now this one is not so much a haunting kind of story, but it's creepy as fuck. And um, it's uh, apparently fairly little known because the two writings I most found about it that were quoted about it were both written in like the 1800s. And so I was skimming through or I was reading a paper written back then on it. And it just it's fascinating. So anyway, it's the story of Barbara Ubrick or Ubrick. I bet it was Ubrick. Okay. And so <laughs> that's my decision. Right she's going to haunt us both. And so her name was originally Anna, but when she went into this convent, she, I guess they, when they, I can't think the confirmation or whatever, you know, that they can pick yeah, a name. So she became, name. Yeah. yeah. Babs now. Mm, right. So in July of 1869 in Krakow, an ancient Polish city. And <laughs> current Polish city. <laughs> well, in the, the writing I was in. Okay. So the writing I was reading, they kept calling it an ancient Polish city because it was currently, as the person who was writing it, it was currently occupied uh, by Austrians. Okay. And so they kept saying in Austrian, whatever, but Krakow, the, you know, ancient Polish city or whatever. I was like, that's interesting. So I kept that. So an anonymous, an 
anonymous note was slipped to officers saying that a woman was being held prisoner in the, mm, I'm going to say this wrong because I think I wrote it down wrong, but Carmelite Barefooted Nuns Convent. <laughs> so, Like the Barefoot Contessa? Sure. Um, except <laughs> very evil. Um, a judge and a couple other officials of the court, because like once this note was given, it went up through higher ups as they all looked and said, you know, is this real? Is this not? So they went to the convent and they were shown this tiny cell that was hidden behind a pantry right next to what was described as the dung hole. So like the toilet and the, apparently there was like a hole inside her little cell, as they called it, that went to the sewer was this woman. She was kept in there when they could see her. She was completely naked. She was sitting on a pile of hay. There was no furniture. There was a window that had been completely boarded up. There's was one door into the cell with a like slide away little gate thing that they used to like give, give her food, I guess. And the the judge noted that it was about seven paces long by six paces wide. Good old fashioned <laughs> measurement. Yeah. Well, um, so this was Sister Barbara Ubrick who was in there. When when they entered and she saw light, <laughs> she immediately began to plead, I am hungry, have pity on me. If you give me meat, I will be obedient. Shit. She had been kept in that room for 21 years. Yikes. 21 years. Yes. Starting when she was what? Like, was she kidnapped as a kid? Or Well, I guess not if she had become a nun already. Right. I mean, she was a young woman. Like, a lot of times families would send, like, because they couldn't afford to, like, pay a dowry for all the daughters and stuff. And she she had she had come from a family. I'm trying to remember how many sisters. There, I feel like there were four daughters. And her parents had died. And so she was raised by her aunt. And she wanted to be a nun and go off to a convent or whatever. Her family did not know any of this they had not heard from her the last they had heard was that she was mentally ill um like they had heard that she was doing well they'd heard that she was mentally ill but that she was being treated well and everything a doctor the year that they first put her in that little hole or whatever had said that that's what she needed or treatment or whatever for her mental illness <laughs> that'll make her more sane but 20 her in a right dirty dungeon well and he didn't say for 21 years and 21 years later the that's what the nuns were saying is like well her doctor told us to do it he had died he never told us to stop so we just kept doing no, it no he died that same year oh so they just didn't know what to do with it. They them. had a new no no that there was definitely some malice here because they had a new doctor who had been um, attending to the nuns there for the past seven years and he had never even heard of her. He had never seen that room. He didn't know anything about it. Oh, so no, it's really shady all this oh. stuff. So then when asked why she had been in prison, imprisoned, she said that she broke the vow of chastity. Um, she then gestured to the other nuns and said, but they're no angels. The main witness who had apparently was like the whistleblower on this to Sister Barbara's treatment um, was soon found dead after after she had been, you know, they came and got her and everything. And upon further investigation into his body, they found poison in his blood or like in his body, whatever, like, I don't know, in the 1800s how they did it but they found poison are all ate up he must have been poisoned yeah i mean maybe his body was exhumed later or something but in the article i was reading it was uh that they had found poison and then when searching the convent after they they arrested the mother superior or whatever and then the woman who was supposed to be coming up after her and after they they went searching um, and looking around the convent to try to find more stuff and more evidence and they found a secret room hidden away where they went in and there had been four, there were four bodies that they found that were of former abbesses. It did not say whether it was known to those families or anything of like, if they found out like, is this okay that they're here? Or were they just like hiding bodies? But also they found torture equipment that had been used to punish the nuns, like these giant 80 pound crosses that they would make a nun carry on her back had she been bad so this place is just like yeah and the the townsfolk actually came together and rioted and the the convent was disbanded rioting can pay off (laughs) (laughs) i'm just saying sometimes it it works what about the destruction of property (laughs) 
that convent needed to come down. No, um, and I don't know if they ended up like, I know, I feel like I had read some that the convent burned or at least part of it did. And they, they I mean, like all those nuns were released and everything. And um, yeah, but it was, it was quite the big How are you able to scandal. learn this history if there's no statues of it anywhere? <laughs> you know, I... I usually learn through statues, but um, I found these things on the internet. It was weird. It was like a little book, and you can even access them from the internet and read it there. It was it was pretty amazing. But nothing carved into stone. Nothing or metal. carved in stone or metal. So mm. I don't know how much we can trust it now. Right. Right. <laughs> well, scrap all of that. I guess we'll just have to redo the rabbit hole. There's no statues. You should have led with that. Anyway, those are the... I almost believed that shit. <laughs> those were the three interesting stories of spooky, creepy, haunting nurses, not nurses, nuns slash churches. Yeah, I, all of those need to be movies. Right? Like, That's what I thought. I was like, all of these make a more interesting story, I feel. Yeah, they need to be movies more than this needed to be a movie. I was really surprised that there wasn't much writing on the Barbara... What was Ubrick? Because everything I kept searching, I kept trying different words. It just kept coming up with like the two books that have been written about her in the late 1800s and early 1900s and some, you know, like formal research papers and stuff. And I was like, I'm sorry, how has no one caught on to this really interesting story that is like full of intrigue, murder, and like (laughs) torture and nuns? (laughs) So that's Sadie's rabbit hole for today. That's that's the closing music for it. So, shall we give this a rating? Uh, We shall. Well, first, I guess we should come up with a unit. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on the units? What movie were we talking about again? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) One Um, of many nun movies. There was one called The Bad Nun that I saw pop up a lot of places, and one called A Nun's Curse that popped up a couple places. There's a lot of weird horror movies about nuns. I watched those. Yeah. Yet. I'm sure we'll get to them soon. Right. No, um... mm. I had either three-month time loops, Mm -hmm. stabby crucifixes. I think that's a good one because that's used so much in in the movie. It's a big part of the movie is the stabby crucifix. All right. So, what did you rate it? Well, we also have to give our alternate titles. And for people who might be new listening this week... Go with the Stan Lee rule. Right. Every uh, every week we come up with a unit to assign. Um, so it's not always like, you know, the boring old stars or thumbs up or whatever. Um, we come up with our own unit based on the movie. And then we rate it from it's kind of if you think about it as negatives, like negative one to negative five. The closer to one you are, that means the better quality movie you are. The further from one you are, that means the more horrifyingly bad you are and five actually is its own little unit because we like to be special like that of so bad that it's actually good like last week's bones full circle last week exactly last week bones i rated it as a five because it was so bad it was good and this week's movie this week i give it four i don't know some i'll say 4.25 because i'm trying to decide between 4 or 4.5 stabby crucifixes because it had a lot wrong with it yeah a lot but there were still there were still some things that i liked you know there were it was better than american poltergeist (laughs) just barely but not by much right but it was technical like quality wise it was about on par the acting was just a little better. The, the acting was, was a little, little bit better. Clear. And yeah, like you could understand the plot a little bit better. And it had some interesting shots set up sometimes. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I also gave it a four. So, surprise, surprise. We I know, again. always. Um, you know, I, I, I swear we don't talk about these before. It probably had no budget. When you watch the end credits, there's probably like, 15 people right right total that worked on this so like the fact that it got made and exists and is on like a major streaming service is an accomplishment yeah that's about all i can say like i would feel like it's a pretty good student film yeah like if this was a student film presented in like a college class i'd be like oh this is a pretty decent student film 
I almost forgot to mention something of my own little rabbit hole that I went down in this movie. Trying to um, steal my segment. I did. Well, I held <laughs> off because I wanted to see if you if you had mentioned it. But the guy that left the review of himself that played KK, mm-hmm. Brad ben- Belemjian, I can't, I'm bad like you at pronounce, pronouncing names, but he was also in Clowntergeist, or no, he wrote Clowntergeist that this guy directed. Yeah, there were a few of them that were in a bunch of the movies together. And he's in, I guess they did their own version of that movie, The Hunt, mm-hmm. that came out that was called American Hunt. Yeah. He's in that as well, that this guy wrote and directed. And the writer-director was the pizza guy. Oh, I did not I did not see that. I did see that they were, they were like, it was him and like the girl who played the nun, and I think one of the others or whatever that were in like three or four of these movies that they all did together. Yeah. As a little group. I just liked my nun stories better. So I stuck <laughs> with that. <laughs> do you, do you have an alternate title? Um, yes, but I can't just say it. I have to sing it. <laughs> Even better. Return of KK. <laughs> Return of KK. <laughs> <laughs> they keep coming back and well and like you know they show him in the cold open and then after that i kept thinking i was like okay they're gonna have to bring up this kid at some point or maybe he shows up or what and then he showed yeah and he just kept coming back multiple times and he was my favorite character and so it was also like i was more excited every time he came back and be <laughs> like okay he's back cool he'll make me laugh <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. mine was uh three months a nun <laughs> Because it, it worked in 90-day increments, and she's a nun. I mean, she was a nun for more than three months, though. Yeah. I'm <laughs> just saying. How about three men and a little lady who is haunted by a nun? <laughs> <laughs> a little wordy, but I'll allow it. <laughs> it's, it. It'll work. It'll work. So I guess that wraps up everything we have to say about Curse of the Nun. I think so. And for those who have been paying attention, we've got a little change of format we're going to be working on for our own sanity, our own sanity's sake. And because we're not yet getting paid for this, um, we will be switching to every other week, Yes, releasing an episode every other week instead of every week, which gives everyone a little more time to find and watch the movie um, and then keep up with the, the yeah, new episodes. Turns out doing these shows are hard. Right. Yeah. It gives us a little time to like, you know. Do laundry and like well, and our, other things. Our aim is also to to make the shows you know that much better because we've had more time to work on them. Is that our aim? <laughs> I thought it was to get some rest. <laughs> that's my aim. To put a positive spin on it, but that's okay. You can poop all over it if you want to. <laughs> hey, we're allowed to rest, man. <laughs> so, in two weeks, join us. As we discuss The Fanatic. With the one and only Devin Sawa. Devin Sawa, John Travolta. Looking extra creepy. Written and directed by Limp Biscuit's own Fred Durst. <laughs> so that should tell you about all you need to know. But if you need to know more, the synopsis of The Fanatic is... On the grimy streets of Hollywood, a celebrity-obsessed man feels slighted by his favorite movie star and embarks on an unhinged quest to get a response leading to a home invasion and a very long night that changes both men irreparably. They will not be reppered. (laughs) So let's take a listen to a clip from The Fanatic. What the hell are you doing back here? I just, I just, I just, I just, just, maybe I didn't make myself clear the first time, you stuttering fuck. You want to live to see tomorrow? Yes, sir. You stay away from me, and you stay away from my son. I never step foot in this neighborhood again. Do you understand? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now, I catch you in this neighborhood again, I will personally shove my Remington shotgun so far up your ass, you'll be shitting bullets and blood for the rest of your life. You understand? I want you to say it. I want to hear you say it. Are you shitting bullets? No, you idiot. Say you're never coming to this neighborhood again. Say it. Say it. Say it. I'll never come back here. Goddamn right you'll never come back here. Never. Go back where you came from, you stalker. I am not a stalker! 
All right, so there you have it. Go check out The Fanatic. It is on Amazon Prime. Uh, John Travolta has a goofy haircut, and mm-hmm. it looks great. Yeah, that's why it's on this show. <laughs> we always pick movies that look great. I think it narrowly missed sweeping the Oscars and everything. <laughs> <laughs> we just threw it in for fun. <laughs> the, the AFI had to throw out their list of the best films right. so that they could put this at number one. So join us in two weeks to talk about The Fanatic. Yes. In the meantime, please, for the love of God, wear a freaking mask. <laughs> it's not something to fight about. Like, Just it really it. isn't. It's not a political position. It's showing you care about the other human beings you inhabit this earth with. So please do it. <laughs> and if you don't, we'll send John Travolta to your house. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And he'll do it, man. He'll do it. He doesn't get that much work anymore. We'll tell him you said something <laughs> shitty about Scientology. And he'll be there in like 30 seconds. Exactly. <laughs> Watch your backs, America. We love you. 